0: right, let's pray. Father, we do believe that you're real. The word says that anyone that wants to come to you must believe you exist and that you are a a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So God, we come to you this morning and we ask you, Lord, to come into the room. Come in and touch our hearts, God. Build up that anticipation and excitement that there is something more and we can have a part of it. We can experience it, Lord. We can have... Uh, a a radical encounter that changes the very trajectory of our lives, Lord, if we just lean in to your presence this morning. We lean into what you have for us today. So God, remove me from this place. Fill me with your spirit. God, use me now to communicate this message that would just open a pathway for us to walk into your blessings this week that would lead us to that fulfilling and abundant life that Jesus came to provide. And I just thank you, God, for undeserved grace and mercy, how you continually walk with us, even with the mistakes and the failures and the trials and just all the stresses that we have, God. You continually walk with us to lead us onto that path of everlasting and abundant life. And we just thank you, Lord, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We're in week seven of our series, and I just... I just kind of want to state this up front. We're in the series called Walk with the Wise. It's a study in the book of Proverbs. But one of the reasons why we teach the way we do, we, we look at the scripture and apply it to our lives, is for one very important reason. Jesus said, "'If you remain in the truth, the truth will set you free.'" which means if we open the Word, we look at the truth, we look at what God has communicated, that means you then have an opportunity for a breakthrough in your life. You have, you have an opportunity. God wants to give each of you a breakthrough in your life. It doesn't matter what situation, what circumstance, what trial, uh, what, what kind of uh, uh, maybe mess you've made or, or gotten yourself into. God wants to give you a breakthrough. He wants to lead you like a good shepherd to a pasture that brings peace and rest in your life. And so when we open the word of God and we look at issues, even issues that might be personal, that we might look and say, you know what, I, I did that. Or maybe I'm in that situation right now What do I do? It's not to make you feel bad or bring shame or condemnation because the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you are not condemned. The accuser has nothing he can say about you or to you that stands before the throne of God. It's not for shame or for condemnation. What it is is to open a door of opportunity for you to make a different decision that will reorient and redirect your your life to provide you an opportunity for life transformation, for breakthrough, for something to shift for the good in your life. And so as we look at this, this subject today, as we look through this series, Walking with the Wise, that's what we're doing. We're highlighting scripture and, and principles in God's word that can help us have a more blessed and fulfilling life. And here today, as we are diving into the wisdom of God, we are, we're looking at a particular issue today. You see, Jesus, again, I, I said it earlier. He said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly or life overflowing. John 10, verse 10. That's his purpose so the things that he teaches us, the things that he uh, warns us about, the things that he leads us into is to lead us to a fulfilling life. And one of the ways God has designed in, in his creation to lead us into a blessed life, that there's a mechanism that he's designed that we could have a rich and fulfilled life, and that is through relationships. It's through relationships. And, and as we look at just his design and his word, we need to understand that the reason why God designed relationships for us to be blessed by is because he himself is a relational God. If you look at the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, when God is talking about creation and more so the pinnacle of his creation, creating mankind, what does God say? He says, let us make man in our image. He speaks of himself in plurality. Why? Because God himself is a divine relationship. There is a divine family that is contained within the fullness of God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are equal. They are one. They are a family, and they are in relationship. And God, when he created, he wanted us to experience the same blessing that he experiences existing in that divine relationship. So when he makes man, he, he, he forms man from the dust of the ground and from the dirt, and he breathes the breath of life into man. And just as all the other creation that he creates, the other six days of the creation order, he looks at man and, and he gets ready to say it is good, just like he did for every other day. But when he looked at man, he didn't say it was good. He said it was not good, not that what he made wasn't good. He said the situation was not good. It was not good that man should be alone. God did not create create us to live alone alone. He created us to be in relationship. So what did God do when he looked at his perfect creation and the situation that he had created him in? He goes and he creates another. He takes a rib from the man and makes woman, and he brings them together to be in a divine relationship. This is God's will and plan for our lives, that we would live in relationship. Yet many try to live in isolation. But isolation is actually a very damaging circumstance or a damaging environment on the human species. In an article entitled, How Extreme Isolation Warps the Mind, this is on bbc.com, they recount a testimony by a woman named Sarah Sheroud. She uh, was a tourist in Iraq and on the border of Iran who was... Apprehended by Iranian authorities because she'd accidentally crossed the border and they were accusing her of spying. And they put her into prison and not just jail, but into isolation. And her mind began to slip after about two months into her incarceration. And as she's recounting her experience, she said she heard phantom footsteps and saw flashing lights in her cell. And she spent most of her days crouched on all fours listening through a gap. In the door. In the summer, that summer, the 32 year old had been hiking with two friends in the mountains of Iraqi Kurdistan, and they were arrested by Iranian troops, and they were confined in the Evan prison, and she endured almost 10,000 hours of isolation with very little human contact before she was freed and the disturbing effects that she had were hallucinations on her uh, in her mind and she says in the periphery of her vision she began to see flashing lights only to jerk her head around and find that nothing was there at one point she said i heard screaming and it wasn't until i felt the hands of one of the friendlier guards on my face trying to revive me that i realized that the screams were my own isolation has a devastating effect we were not designed to live in isolation But the problem that we face, one of the problems that we face is anytime we go through hard times or trials, anytime the enemy is bringing attack or struggle into our lives, the first thing we try to do is what? Isolate. Rather than press in to what God designed for our good, we separate ourselves and we hand ourselves over to the whims of the enemy. Many people have social anxieties and disorders. We we understand the difference between being an outgoing person or being an introvert or an extrovert. The truth is, is that having relationships is a vital part to every human being. There's not a person here who can say, I don't need people because God divinely put that in you. The imprint on your life in creation is a need for other people. And as believers in Christ... As the church, we are even called, once we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are even called in or inducted into a spiritual community with one another. We're united together in our common faith in Christ Jesus and we're bound together through the power and unity of the Holy Spirit as we're adopted by our Heavenly Father. We're adopted into a new family. And as the church, as each individual person here, each of us make up an individual vital part Of the body of Jesus Christ, this community that God designed to work together, to function together, and as we minister together and minister to one another, it keeps us healthy, flourishing, and blessed. But I think most of us could probably say here today that there have been times in your life or in your experience when you didn't really do community very well. Or maybe you were in community. And you had a a close group of people around you and you had a bad experience. Maybe you had a bad experience in church. Something happened. Somebody said something or did something that hurt your feelings. And maybe even because of your personality or maybe some communication issues that you might have or some insecurities you might have, you might find it difficult to make deep friendships and build relationships. It's been a challenge. And your natural inclination now is to shrink back and keep everyone at arm's length rather than let people in and pursue those relationships. And I'm here to tell you today, even though I, I personally struggle with insecurities, I've had I have social issues. My wife will tell you I'm not always the, the most socially amazing person to have a conversation with. I'm kind of a dull person sometimes. But I, I have my own struggles in this. But regardless of the obstacles we face, God intends to use relationships with other people to be a blessing to our lives, and use us also in relationships to be a blessing to other people. He designed it, and he desires it for us, and it is a need, it is a deep need into our lives. So today, as we're looking at relationships, there's one particular area of relationships I want to look at, and look at in the book of Proverbs, as we did look at wisdom for relationships I want us to look at one particular area that I believe if we all improve in this area, that that we grow in this area in our lives, that it is going to strengthen all the different types of relationships that we have in our lives. That that if we grow in this area, the characteristics we're going to look at today, we grow in this, it's going to strengthen every other area, and that is the area of friendship. Somebody say friendship. Friendship making sure you guys are following along. If you have your smartphone with you, you can check out the Uversion Bible app. The notes are there on the screen as well. We have um, these uh, the, the verses and whatnot on the screen here. But friendship is what we're going to be looking at today. And friendship, if you want a, a quick definition of friendship, it's essentially the positive link or bond of fondness between two people there's a link or bond of fondness, there's, there's a joy uh, or some type of, of connection that two people have, we can call that friendship. If you think about the friends you have in your life, you can instantly associate how strong your friendships are. Think about the people you call friends, and you will determine how strong those friendships are by the strength of the bond between you. Some people you aren't very close friends with, but other people you have a deep friendship with. And there are some characteristics of friendship that are vital to being a quality friend. And the Bible has much to say about friendship and uh, and has much to guide us to promote a strong bond between people, between two or, or more or even within our relationships in the church. So we're gonna look at a couple characteristics about friendship. The first characteristic we're gonna look at today, and if you're taking notes, is sacrifice. Friendship takes sacrifice. A good friend is sacrificial, which means they're not self-centered, or they're only interested in themselves, but they generally care for and are interested in in the other people in the relationship. That, that it's not just about what they get out of it. Have you ever had a friend or been in a relationship with somebody who is only interested in hearing what they have to say? Or, or you're having a conversation and maybe, maybe you're, you're, uh, they call you on the phone and they talk to you for an hour, venting and all these things going on. And then when you turn around and have something to say, oh, then, then they got to go. Like they're not real interested in having a two-way conversation. Or maybe you're talking with them and, and you know that they're not really listening because what they're really doing is focusing on what they're going to say to what you just said, and they're not really hearing you at all. It's a self-centered form of communication. Even when you go to them for advice, it's like they're more interested in their own thoughts, their own opinions than your heart. And what really is bringing pain To your heart in the moment. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, here's what the Proverbs, right? Here's what God's word tells us a nugget of wisdom for communication and friendship. Verse 13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. That when you just assume and you think you know something, speaking before listening, being more interested in what you have to say, than listening to the whole story is both shameful and foolish. Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, But the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. You cannot have heartfelt counsel unless you've first been sacrificial in your listening. See, often what trips us up and what, what kind of gets to me sometimes is that when, when we're having conversation, I get more interested in my own thoughts than really what's being shared with me. And, and sometimes, even midway through a conversation, I might check out because I got the gist and I'm done really caring for the person's heart than the heart of the friend. And when we do that, we can often misinterpret or misread a situation and leave our friends feeling unloved and uncared for. Because it's simply how we're communicating, by how we're not listening, how we're speaking before hearing the whole story. And again, I have struggled with this for years. One of the things that I think is a gift of God but is also acts like a curse in my flesh is that whenever I'm having a conversation with somebody, I tend to visualize what they're saying. It kind of helps me, like, picture what's going on and get my mind around it. But what happens to me is sometimes I get so deep in the visualization, I don't even hear what's going on in the conversation anymore. And I'm, like, stuck in my head. And, and when my wife, she's like, hey, hey, are you listening? I was like, oh, yeah. well, I, well, I thought it was. You know, what, what's going on? You know, and, but, but by doing that, I miss some of the information. What I've learned in, in trying to listen, I'm working on improving in this area, what I'm learning is that oftentimes when you're having a conversation and there's an issue or, or someone's just venting because they have a heavy heart, often the problem is not even the problem. It's just a symptom to the problem. So, so as a man, like especially I've got a fix-it personality. My wife has an issue or a friend has an issue. I instantly want to give the advice that fixes the problem. Oh, you're, now you're not happy, unhappy anymore. But often that's not even the real issue. It's not that they're looking for a solution. There's an underlying issue that's driving this situation. And if I had been careful to listen, then I would have been able to discern what the issue was and speak to the heart and not glorify in my own wisdom. You see, it takes sacrifice sometimes to let go of your own thoughts and feelings, to stay in the moment and just simply listen to your friend, to have a heart. Proverbs 18 Verse 24, the Bible says there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There are friends that destroy each other, but there's a real friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I like the way the King James Version translates this verse. It's probably a little bit more familiar to some of you because it actually speaks to the logic behind the verse than it does actually a word-for-word translation. It, it speaks to, uh, like, like I would say, a common sense takeaway from this verse than the original definitions of the words. But in Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself what? Friendly. I didn't really hear anybody. A man that has friends must show himself what? Friendly. There we go. Now we're, no, we're not sleeping. He must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You see, if you want to have friends, you want to have and develop deep relationships, you have to show yourself to be friendly. You have to model the characteristics that you want others to provide to you. This goes deeper than just being a nice person, being kinder, or, or, or just being, you know, opening the door when someone's walking through. This goes to the heart and the foundation of relationship are you the one that's being proactive to care for others or are you waiting for others to take care of you? Are you sacrificing kind of what you feel and your needs in your life or to pursue and tend to others? Or are you waiting for others to sacrifice for you? I mean, just think about it. We, we kind of can relate a lot to the church world and especially the larger our church gets, the more difficult it might be to have genuine and deep relationships but there are many people that I've talked to that will have visited a church, and they'll be like, no one said hi to me. No one said hello to me. And they kind of get mad and miffed and all offended that, that no one noticed them. And then my, my follow-up question is, well, did you say hi to anyone? And they're like, uh, 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 well, uh, mm, uh, no. I'm like, well, why do you expect others to say hi to you when you yourself are not saying hi to them? right? It's that we have this backward mentality that we think others need to invest in us when we're not even willing to invest in other people. So a true friend is not self-centered. A true friend is sacrificial. I'm going to lay myself down to invest in the other person. Now this doesn't mean that you're never going to have a time where you need a friend, This doesn't mean that at the core of your relationship that it's constantly you giving and never receiving. The core of your relationship is not just one-sided. You see, in any relationship, it's a two-way street. It's simply, and what I'm trying to land on here today with being sacrificial, is that the core of your relationship should not simply be what you get out of it. It shouldn't be just simply what you get out of it. The core is how you can give yourself in love to others. And if you are giving of yourself and I'm giving of myself, then what we have is a deep, bonded relationship. See, the breakdown in many relationships and friendships is because really at the core, they're, at the heart of it, manipulative and abusive. It takes two people to be in a relationship, and it takes two people to be sacrificial and give for the relationship to come together. But when one person is giving and the other person is taking, there's a dysfunctional breakdown in the relationship, and usually one person is left feeling used and abused, leading to strife that eventually causes the dissolution of the relationship. It cannot simply be one-sided. So we have to wake up to ask the question, how sacrificial are we in the relationship? How interested in others are we being? If we're gonna have strong relationships, it begins with having strong friendships where each of us are sacrificing for the good of the other. If we want friends, then we must show ourselves to be friendly. We must pursue others. The second characteristics we wanna look at about friendship is that good friends are both honest and loyal. Somebody say honest and loyal. Honest and loyal. Honesty and loyalty are two defining characteristics in a friendship. If there's no honesty or loyalty, there can be no trust. And if there is no trust, there's no foundation for the relationship. These are vital values in a relationship. Keeping a confidence, and if you just think about communication, and when a friend comes to just To to vent or to confide in you. Keeping a confidence is a basic need in a relationship of trust. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, a gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. A gossip goes around telling secrets. When a friend comes to confide in you, they're looking for a safe place. They're looking for a place to find healing, to find comfort, to find encouragement, someone that cares. The moment you go and tell someone, hey, so and so, even in church world, in the interest of praying for other people, you can be violating a trust because somebody is trusting you to keep their struggle in a confidence. And when you go around and share these uh, the the issues that your the friends are bringing to you, even what you think in the effort of good spiritual care you can be violating the very foundation and fabric of a relationship. You know, in ministry, we, we've, we, we've gone through a lot of things, and um, not in this church, but in another ministry. My wife and I were going through a difficult time. We had just had a miscarriage, um, and and my wife was dealing with some other emotional issues, and someone came up to her because she they saw that she, she was just having a rough day at, at church, and so they asked her what was going on. She confided in them. They prayed together, and and my wife felt a lot better. But then the next time we were at church, person after person after person came up to us and asked, man, how are things going with the situation? You know, what's going on? This, that, and the other, because the person had taken a private conversation and made it a public prayer request. And you think there was ever confidence and trust in that connection ever again? No, because we knew that was not a safe place. So even in the interest of what we would consider good spiritual care, we can violate the foundation of a relationship simply by going around and telling secrets. And a person who tells secrets or, you know, blabs uh, other people's issues that are gossiping about other people will find themselves lonely and isolated. You know, it's been said someone that gossips to you will also gossip about you. Loyalty goes beyond just not sharing the information. It goes on to protecting those that information is being shared about. There will be a day in your life where somebody comes to tell you something about somebody you know or a friend of yours or a family member or maybe your ministry leader, and they tell you something that, quite frankly, is none of your business. You don't even know is true, but they're trying to share you this, this information to get your side, your opinion, or to get you onto their team. And a good friend, a loyal friend, doesn't break trust and go along with the gossip. They shut it down. Not only do we not share gossip, but we don't listen to gossip because, one, you can't even trust the source anyway, and two, if your friend finds out you are talking about them and don't, and don't notify them or have their back, you have now broken trust in that relationship. Keeping a confidence in loyalty is vital. Without trust, there can never be vulnerability. Vulnerability is what leads to intimacy in a relationship. It's what allows for those deep bonds in relationship to form. Friendship will remain at a surface level during the the duration of the relationship unless intimacy can be built on and increased in that relationship. So to build trust, we need to have a foundation of loyalty and honesty that provides intimacy to flourish and grow. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, Many will say they are loyal friends, But who can find one who is truly reliable? Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Loyalty sets the standard. It sets the difference between an acquaintance and a friend. An acquaintance says they are willing to help, but a friend actually helps. How many people do you know that says, Man, I got your back no matter what. But when the truth, when the time actually mattered and counted, they were nowhere to be found. It changes the dynamic of your relationship. It changes the level that you consider that relationship. It changes whether or not you call that person again to determine whether or not that uh, you can count on them. Loyalty is a vital part of a relationship. Proverbs 3, 27 and 29, this is a great verse I came across. It says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor for those who live nearby trust you. If you tell your friend or if you're, you say you're someone's friend and they have a need, don't fail them in the need. Don't say, well, I'll come back and do it at another time or else what happens is that friend will no longer begin to believe that you actually mean what you say and trust is broken. They'll not not maintain a view of you that you're loyal and that you're trustworthy, and they'll begin to look elsewhere for that type of relationship. Your word is also a vital part of keeping confidence, a part of building trust, a part of being reliable. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. I think the scripture's hilarious sometimes because I try to imagine these things. i told you I'm a visual person, you know, trying to walk on a lame foot. You know, it'd it, be painful, right? Trying to chew on, I mean, I don't know what's worse than toothache. sometimes. It feels like that's like the worst pain you could have in trying to chew a T-bone steak on a broken tooth. It would not be very much fun. But here's what it says. It's like putting confidence in an unreliable person is similar to that. Proverbs 27, verse 10 says, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. If you are the friend that is loyal, if you are the friend that is trustworthy, that you keep your word, you're there when you say you're going to be there, you help when you say you're going to help, you invest and you sacrifice when it's time for you to need someone you won't even have to ask. Because the relationship, the depth that you've been able to cultivate in your life will be such that they will see the need before you ask and they'll meet the need before you request it. This is how deep friendships are cultivated. Never abandon a friend because when you need it, they won't abandon you. The relationship will return the favor. But it hurts the relationship. It hurts the friendship. It it hurts the person you're in relationship with. When they have to come to realize that deep down, you just really don't care. Keeping your word is the same as telling the truth. I had to really grow in this area of my life, and I'm still growing in this area. Uh, it, it, when it comes to the family, because oftentimes we'll we'll promise the kids something like tucking them in bed, something simple as that, and we'll say, yeah, we'll tuck you in bed, and sometimes we'll, we'll do this thing where we take turns sleeping with the kids, and what we do is we just go in there and lay in there for like 10, 15 minutes and goof around and, or tell stories or, or whatever just you know, during bedtime, and, and they'll come earlier in the day and they'll say, hey, will you sleep with me tonight? And we'll say, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then it's 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, and we're still not ready for bed. Things were rushing around. We're exhausted. And they're like, okay, will you sleep with me? And we're like, you should have been asleep two hours ago. You know? and, and we'll say, well, yeah, you know, we're not going to do it tonight. We'll put it off. And you can see the discouragement in their heart because they were counting on that. And then the next day, if we put it off again and we put it off again, slowly and surely, they begin to see that my parents don't mean what they say. My parents aren't reliable. And so there's a trust that's broken. They stop believing and hoping in that relationship. Keeping your word is just as important as anything else because when you don't keep your word, you're essentially being deceitful and dishonest. If you don't keep your word, you're by nature lying to the people you're supposed to be loving. And the same is true for hiding your heart. Hiding your heart. Again, it takes vulnerability to create intimacy. Dave Willis said that the depth of your vulnerability will determine the depth of your intimacy. I love that. That's so good the depth of your vulnerability. And I've known this true in my life. When I wasn't willing to share my struggles, what was really going on inside with my wife, there was no way we were able to build intimacy. I've historically had... several friends, but never on a deep spiritual level where I was able to really feel confident and trusting enough to let people in. And just the last few years, God has begun to work that in my life. And I've got people now that I can call and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. and And I'm dealing with this. And I know they'll keep confidence and they'll pray for me and they'll encourage me and they'll check up on me. And it's just been such a benefit and such a nourishment to my soul. But before, I would never let people in. I'd act like I always had everything together, and I never had any deep, lasting relationships. Withholding yourself, withholding your heart from people, what you're doing is you're putting your friends on constant pursuit of something that they will never be able to acquire. When you don't let your friends in, when you don't allow vulnerability to build intimacy, you'll put those in the relationship with you on a constant pursuit of something they will never be able to acquire. Knowing you truthfully, inside and out, completely is the only way for true friendship, true relationship to build and blossom. And sooner or later, when people are kept on the outside, When they're held at a distance, sooner or later, people simply give up, and they go elsewhere. Without vulnerability, you're merely putting up a dishonest front, breaking the trust in the relationship. And a mistake here or there can be forgiven, but ongoing issues will create an insurmountable chasm that kill relationship, especially when trust and loyalty And intimacy is not able to be cultivated in your relationship. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says this about an offended friend. It says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you had a really good friend? Maybe when you were younger, uh, there's some young people here today. Maybe you've encountered this. Uh, when I was younger, I, I used to have friends. I'd like have the same friend that I play with like every day in my neighborhood. We'd hang out and it'd be like, everything would be great. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we'd have a falling out. And it's like we didn't speak to each other for, for like a month or even longer. And it was almost like we were ready to give up on the relationship altogether. Be like, well, forget you. I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere else. It seems to happen that even after uh, maybe even a long season of bliss, there's a falling out and it's like a death blow to the relationship. And here God is telling us that an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city, than conquering a fortified city. You see, the struggle with deep friendships... And the reason why I think many people are scared of intimacy, why I was scared of intimacy, is that the issue and struggle with deep friendships is that the wounds that are created are also deep. That when you trust, when you invest, when you invite people in and you become vulnerable, there there is a, a real risk that you're taking. And when a wound is issued in a relationship like that, it is a deep, cutting wound. And we hate Feeling that pain, which is why many of us keep people at a distance because we'd rather isolate than risk being hurt. Many find it easier to abandon the relationship or abandon relationships altogether than work through problems. Dishonesty is a huge issue that creates devastating consequences in a relationship, and not long ago, we were hearing about strings of violence, if you remember that there was a period of time where it seemed like every day there was a new mass shooting happening not too long ago. One of the most recent attacks was in Las Vegas at a country music festival where several people lost their lives because of the antics of a madman in proverbs twenty six eighteen and nineteen Writer of Proverbs says, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Just as damaging is a friend that lies to another friend and says, I was only joking. See, the truth in this verse is not only was there a break of trust, not only was there a mortal wound to the soul of the person that was vulnerable with you and in deep relationship with you, but then you become dismissive of their pain and act like nothing happened. To increase the pain, increase the cuts and the depth of the wounds in the soul. Not only does dishonesty cut deep in a true relationship, but the cover-up shows that really you're only interested in your own self-protection, not sacrifice. You're not interested in honesty, but in dishonesty. You're not being loyal, but you're being disloyal. You're not interested in healing the heart of the one you hurt. You're merely interested in saving your own skin. And it's damaging. It's a death blow to your relationships. Defensiveness and dismissiveness are devastating blows to the fabric of a relationship. Each wound takes a lot of time and intentionality to heal. And it's not a quick process, which is why relationships often are so very painful. And many just give up altogether. Because the person wounded doesn't want to go through the grieving process and through the process of healing and restoration. An honest friend, a loyal friend, a self-sacrificing friend won't keep the lie up in the interest of self-protection, but in humility and brokenness for the offense. They will honestly admit their wrong and sacrifice to make things right again because they're keeping the heart of the one they hurt in full view. Not only is sacrifice, honesty, and loyalty important on the side of the offender, but honesty, loyalty, and sacrifice is also important on the side of the forgiver. In Proverbs 17, verse 9, God's word says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. We would be insane to believe that a person would be perfect enough to never hurt us in a relationship. There is not a perfect person in this world. There's not a perfect person in this room. Everyone here in this place, one day, sooner or later, is going to make a mistake and you're going to hurt someone. And someone, one day, sooner or later, is going to make a mistake and is going to hurt you. And just as responsible is the person that hurts and causes the wound to be sacrificial, to be honest, to be loyal, to fight for the relationship, to, to work at restoring things... The person who was hurt is also just as responsible to fight for the relationship. See, holding grudges is the fast track to loneliness. Holding a grudge is a fast track to loneliness. Sooner or later, everyone is going to let you down. We're all imperfect. Someone is going to hurt you. But you have to ask the question, you have to ask yourself, are you going to be willing to sacrifice Are you going to be willing to be loyal, to be honest, to be true to your friendship when you are the one that's been hurt? Are you willing for the sake of the relationship? If we're loyal to the relationship as we say we are, then we need to be ready to forgive and offer the same forgiveness and grace that we would expect from them if we were the one that caused the problem. When they miss the mark in the relationship, and you might ask why, and I say it's because every relationship is going to go through a season of struggle. Loyal friends don't quit on each other. Loyal friends work through problems. Loyal friends make the friendship greater because they go through those difficult seasons and they strengthen one another. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." This life, relationships are not one height to the next, but it's a series of valleys and mountaintops. In order to get to the mountaintop, you've got to go to the valley. And in relationships, it seems like the lower the valley, the higher the mountaintop. But it's a series of struggles and blessings that relationships work out, that God uses to make good things flourish in our lives. Friendships that are not sacrificial, friendships that are not built on honesty and loyalty will in the end not benefit each other, but be a devastating blow. But friendships that are sacrificial, that are built on honesty and loyalty in the end will be a true benefit, enriching the lives for years to come. Relationship is one of the ways God has designed to bring blessing into our lives. And as we uh, kind of come to a close, there are really four relationships here and really where the characteristics of true friendship are vitally important. Uh, actually, five, there's five main areas where these relationships are vitally important. The first is for acquaintances. Somebody say acquaintances. Make sure you're with me. Your acquaintances, right? Well, we've discussed the, the value and characteristics of friendship. The reality is, is you can't turn an acquaintance into a true friend unless you're worthy of of the friendship. You can't turn an acquaintance into a true friend unless you're going to be sacrificial and pursue that relationship, invest in that person, unless you're going to be honest, unless you're going to be uh, loyal. Proverbs 11:30 says the seeds of good deeds become a tree of life, a wise person wins friends. So if you want more friends, if you want to to be a person that is surrounded with many good and deep and true relationships that are a benefit to your spirit, then you have to be worthy of that relationship by investing, by sacrificing, by being true so that the good seeds you sow can become a tree of life and so you can be surrounded by friends. The second area is in your family and in your family. We don't often probably think about it like this, but family is simply a close bonded unit of people in relationship. And the core characteristics of friendship apply to your family unit. Matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, the writer of Proverbs says that there are six things that God hates. There are really seven things that God hates that are an abomination to him, things that just make God sick. And in verse 19, it says, a false witness who pours out lies, a dishonest person, and two, a person that sows discord in a family. When someone disrupts or sows discord into a family, it breaks and grieves the very heart of God. See, the core of every relationship is true friendship and family members that lie to each other, that betray each other, that fight with each other, that only act in their own self-interest, they are detestable to the Lord. Does that mean they can't be saved? No, but what that means is their behavior sickens God because the family was what he designed to be one of the mechanisms of blessing in your life and those relationships to enrich your life. Those that are only involved in or interested in their own self-interest in their family, they will ruin the deepest relationship that God could use to be the source of the greatest blessings. And it hurts the heart of God. The characteristics of friendship need to be implored in your family. We need to be loyal to one another, true and honest to each other, and sacrificial for each other. Number three is marriage. The characteristics of friendship definitely apply to marriage. One of the the greatest marriages that, that we could experience in this life are marriages that are built on the deepest friendships. The deeper and the closer you are as friends, the truer and greater your relationship, your marriage relationship is going to be. The greater intimacy you're going to have, the greater joy you're going to experience. In Proverbs 31, 10 through 12 The writer of Proverbs says, Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. She She will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. You see, a marriage that is built on the deepest friendship will be one where the wife feels like a priceless treasure and the husband feels overwhelmingly blessed because of her. She will feel like a priceless treasure, and he will feel overwhelmingly honored and blessed. Why? Because both spouses are sacrificial, sacrificing for one another. Both are loyal in mind, body, and spirit. Both are honest and vulnerable with each other, creating a foundation that can be built on and sustained through good and bad times. They'll have a vulnerability to be completely known and completely accepted. In Genesis, God's will for that marriage, it says that they were naked and they had no shame. God's design and desire for every marriage is there to be no insecurity, no shame, no condemnation, that you would have such a richness in your relationship that it would be an incredible blessing to your life. The characteristics of friendship are vital for marriage. Number four is the church. Again, what starts as acquaintances becomes a family with deep spiritual ties when you make that leap from being far from God to trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are instantly invited into and united into the family of God. And all of us here today are united, again, by a common faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are united in the power and union of His Holy Spirit and we together are working together for a great and pure purpose, but even so, even though we 're in this together, there 's a trend among people to remain in isolation and in avoid connection when well, we were at the the man, man up conference last night, we were in the car uh, we were just after each conference session, we would be uh, driving home, and we would go around and just talk about what God was doing and things that we in, were impacted with and and uh, Brody will remember this, and so I, at the end, I said, okay, guys, you know, we've had this great moment. God's been doing this stuff, I don't want to see anybody backseat Christianing, you know, our auditorium anymore. I want to see you guys coming together and not all spread out and, and avoiding each other, because now we have a bond. We have a relationship because of what God did, and praise God, Brody moved halfway up, so, you know, I just thank God for you, um, but, uh, but, you know, this is, you know, what we're doing. We don't want to avoid each other, before that moment, before we, we came together and had an, a mutual experience, we had somebody over here and somebody over here, and people barely talked, and it was awkward when we would pass each other because no one really knew who each other was. And at the end of the conference, it was like we were all best friends, right? So, so this is the importance of the church is that this is not a solo sport. We're not all, you know, purposed to come and just be our own little shells, our own little self, and avoid everyone like the plague out of awkwardness. But we're to come together and be a family, a community that mutually supports, invests, and sacrifices for one another. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is near. God's desire for us as the church is not to isolate and do this this relationship with God, this Christian thing alone, but it's to come together to encourage each other, to build each other up. So as the church, we're to be sacrificial and loyal friends, not concerned with our own interests, trying to isolate, but we need to make it a point to gather together, to give of ourselves, to invest in one another, to pursue relationship with each other, to encourage each other when we're discouraged to provoke each other to good works when we're distracted and consumed with the world. The most healthy church we could have is one with the most enduring friendships. The most healthy church we could have is the one with the most enduring friendships. This is why we promote getting together in life groups and the programs that we have is so that you will take that step to get plugged in to build relationships that will bless your life for all time that God can use to encourage you to bring strength and to bring good things into your lives. And finally, the last relationship where these characteristics are so vital is our relationship with God. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Did you know that if you've been saved, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you are a friend of God? Your friend of God. See, before you came to know the Lord, before you had a relationship with God, Romans five ten and eleven says says since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So we now can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Hallelujah. Before Christ, we were God's enemy. We lived like it. We acted like it. We believed it. We cursed him. But when we met Jesus, that all changed. And we went from death to life, from enemy to friend. In the book of Exodus... As the Bible is recounting the story of Israel and how they went from slavery in Egypt into the promised land, a story that just grips my heart that I, I pray daily is this description of Moses. And it says that Moses was so intimate in friendship with God that God was, like, found it a favorable thing. He found it to be a joyous thing to speak to him face to face. That God would speak to Moses face to face because of the intimacy and friendship that they had. And I just cry out, oh God, that I would be so intimate with you that we would have such a deep friendship that you would find me worthy to speak to me face to face. What kind of a friend do you have in God? You have the best friend you could possibly imagine. So what kind of friend... Have you been to God? What kind of friend are you being to the one who gave his life for you on the cross? John 15, 13 said, There's no greater love than to lay one's life down for his friends. He sacrificed for you. He sacrificed everything for you. Are you sacrificing for him? Are you more interested in what you have going on than what he has to say? Are you keeping your word to him? When you say, God, I want to give you my life, have you given it? Are you investing in your friendship with God the way he's investing into you? Are you letting him into the most intimate places of your heart where you're vulnerable and saying, God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what what is going on around me. God, I'm going to give you all of myself. I'm going to become completely vulnerable to you. You have have access to every hidden place in my heart. Are you keeping God at a distance? Are you there for him when he needs you? Or are you missing in action? Because how you feel is more important than what he needs. Are you investing into your relationship with God the way you want him to invest in the relationship with you? So though we thrive on relationships, the most important relationship we have, the one that will bring us completion. The word in the Old Testament is shalom. This means completeness, wholeness, lacking nothing. The relationship that will bring us the most joy and peace and strength and purpose. The most fulfillment is the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. And the more intimacy we have with God, the more we give ourselves to him. The Bible says in James 4.8, he says, Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. The closer you come to God, the more intimate, the more vulnerable, the more humble you approach God, the closer he comes to you, which means the mo- whatever you want of God, you can have as much of him as you want. You can have as much of God as you want. You can have as much Holy Spirit in your life as you want, as much Jesus in your life as you want, but you got to come to Him. you got to pursue Him and His heart. And maybe you're here today, and you are thinking about your friendship with God. Maybe you want to draw close to God, but like James says, you've been keeping God at arm's length because reality is your loyalty is divided between Him and the world. You can't decide in your life what you like more, your father or the world. You can't decide what you want to serve more, the world or the one who gave his life for you. You can't decide. And though you have this aching in your heart to know God and to to experience God and to have a relationship with God, there's something that's standing in the way and that is the distance that you've put between your heart and his But you know what, today, that doesn't have to remain that way. You can begin repairing your fractured relationship with your heavenly father. He's never left you or forsaken you, but in the way we live our lives and the things that we think and do, we have a way of forsaking and leaving him. Today, you can begin repairing that fractured relationship with your heavenly father, your creator, your closest friend but just choosing today to give your heart to him. Because the truth is, is that the more you love God, the more you'll truly be able to love others. When you rea- realize God's love for you, when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you because of your relationship, the better you will be at loving other people. Because you'll start seeing them the way God sees them. You realize that you become like those that you hang around. The more you're around somebody, the more you become like them. The more you're around Jesus, the more you're going to become like Jesus. The closer you are to God, the more intimate friendship you have with Jesus, the deeper you're going to know the Holy Spirit, the greater friend you will be and the deeper relationships you can have because the greater way you'll be able to love those that you're in relationship with. Let's bow our heads for prayer as we just go into a time of response today. This concept of friendship with God rocks me to the core because I know all the ways that I have fallen short, all the ways I've taken advantage of him, all the ways I've not pursued when he's pursued me, when I've put up walls, when he has called out for intimacy but I'm in this place in my life where I don't want that to be the case anymore because I know my purpose and my fulfillment is found in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. That's why I was created, is to be known by God and to know God. My prayer for us, and as we look at the upcoming sermon series, and we, we're just praying week after week, God, develop within us a hunger to know you, Lord. This is at the core of that, that we would be such friends with God that he would have no problem showing up and encountering us face to face in this place. You see, God wants to give. He wants to bless. He wants to answer prayer. But so often we're holding ourselves at a distance from him. What kind of friend have you been with God? Maybe you're here today, and you're like, well, honestly, Pastor Joey, I don't have a relationship with God. I mean, I've gone to church, and I've heard the stories, but I don't know His voice. And I get that He's all-powerful. I get that He knows everything, but I don't know that I have a relationship with Him. But I want a relationship with God. I want to know my Heavenly Father. I want to know His love for me. I want to know His presence. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that when I die, that I'll get to spend eternity with my Heavenly Father. I need His peace in my life. I need His joy. I've been... Going through so many struggles and circumstances where it just feels like hope is running away faster than it's coming in. I believe that there's somebody here today that has been battling with hopelessness. You're battling with hopelessness because your life has just been one stress after another stress. And you're just wondering because of how tired you are is it still worth it? And I'm here today to tell you. It is so worth it that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could have a relationship with him, that he could bring peace into your life. He could bless you. He could set you on a path to reach your greatest potential, that he could work miracles in your life and through your life. And here today, he's inviting you into a relationship that will change your life. I don't know who it is here today. But if that's you in the quietness of this moment, I just invite you right where you are, to call out to your heavenly father. He says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Whoever calls out to me, I will answer. Right where you are, just say, Father, I need you. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. And I believe that Jesus died for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I turn away from that right now and I take Jesus as my Lord. I'm giving you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill my life with your presence and help me from this day forward to know you as you know me. In the quietness of this moment, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know who is in here today, what struggles that you have. I don't know what God's speaking to you. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life and you just realize, you know what? God's been a great friend to me, but I've not been such a great friend to him. Whatever is going on in your life, in the quietness of this moment, as we go into a time of response, I'm going to invite you when we stand to come forward and lay yourself down. Take an act of faith. Make a commitment. Give God your life and your heart. Tell him the things that have been wrong and give him agreement with what he's speaking to your life, whatever it is. As we go into a time of prayer, I'm gonna ask Chris to come forward. We'll be down here to pray for you over any need. The microphone's down front if God's done a work in your life and you want to share a testimony. But for the next few moments, let's just go into a time of response and let's allow God to begin to do that work in our life. Because the beauty of friendship with God is he never turns you away. There's always forgiveness. There's always grace. There's always mercy. And he's waiting for you to just take that step. Father in heaven, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your friendship. Holy Spirit, I pray right now you draw every heart. That as we stand, they would respond and come forward and pray and make those commitments, make those decisions. that life change would just unleash in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand together. Now's the time. You respond as Tony leads us.